Kiora and welcome to the Run Adjacent Podcast. We are sponsored by Trek Trail and Fish. I'm Mal and we've got our usual co-host Hayden Siddon back today. This means you lucky ducks get two chirpy chicks. Our co-host today is Hannah Thompson. Hannah, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks Mel. Yeah? Yep, really no. well. No uh, Terwitta Ultra 50k for you, eh? Not this year. I've mm-hmm. been chilling over summer. Okay. Doing um, everything but running. <laughs> no, I have been doing a run. I have been running, but I've been focusing more on spending time with my Fano and having a, a lovely holiday. Yeah, you've been camping a lot. Yes, yeah. I have been. It's yeah. been great. Hit up yep. Hannah if you want any good camping spots. <laughs> uh, as always, a big thank you to our sponsor, Trek Trail and Fish. You can visit their website at trektrailfish.co.nz. Either come into the shop or, again, you can uh, shop online. And they've got a really good selection of shoes. Hoka, Solomon, Saucony, La Sportiva, Topos, Normal, Ultras. I don't know if I'm saying any of those right with my accent. So if you all want to fix it, you can. (laughs) Um, My favorite has been the Normal Shoes. And I love Hoka's. The exciting thing about this sponsor is they just announced the Trek Trail and Fish 50K as part of the Hot Prince Bay of Islands Run Walk Festival. So I'm pretty stoked that they're going to be sponsoring that. And that there's now a 50K up this way. Yeah, Northland. Amazing. Mm. And Empire here, which I feel like is going to be an absolutely epic location. Yeah, it's beautiful. Anyway, moving on to our guest today, and thanks to um, Steph, this guest's wife, for hooking us Mm -hmm. up with this intro. This is from her. So our guest today is the one-legged English guy often seen smoking peeps at Parkrun whilst pushing a buggy. He loves talking running and loves to run. Due to a rare childhood cancer, he became a lower right leg amputee at 11 years old. He has been getting after it with running since 2017. You can check out his Strava, which I have personally been checking out uh, (laughs) over the last couple of weeks since um, we found out that we were going to be interviewing him. Um, So you can check out his Strava yourself um, to see how bloody consistent he is with his weekly mileage. So welcome to the podcast, James Gibbett. Yep. Thank you very much, Hannah. Cheers. <laughs> no worries. And how's your morning been so far? You been out running yet? Yeah, yeah. I managed to squeeze one in. I uh, had plans on, on heading down to Park Run this morning, but um, then uh, my, my youngest son, Seb, who's uh, just about to turn two, decided to wake up about 10 to 5 or so and <laughs> managed to settle him back to sleep after much coercement after and then but then uh, yeah light dozing for the start so instead of uh, the park run it was getting him and his brother out him in the buggy and his brother on a bike um <laughs> then we've we've uh, invented our own kind of i made it like a fartlek session along the shared path so yeah i'll race leo on his bike for a short like between a certain number of lampposts and he usually beats me like, wow good way that's, cool. that's a good way to like you know keep it interesting with yeah. a kid mm. yeah i have to yeah. try that yeah <laughs> and like Really nice for fitting in just some different speed work. Yeah, mm. and trying to push the yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Huh. Uh, can you tell us some background of your history with cancer and how you became an amputee? Yeah. Um, so I would have been, must be when I was about seven or eight or so. Um, so in the very late, um, late 1980s. Um, my parents noticed there was a bit of, uh, I was protecting the inside of my foot on my right leg. So uh, they weren't quite sure what was wrong with it. And I got, got checked out and, they couldn't really see anything, did x-rays and nothing showed up. So, um, yeah, it was, um, it kind of went on the back burner for a few years, but in the meantime, it was getting a bit more sore. And, um, 
Eventually, when I got to the age of probably 10 and a half, I was referred to another hospital for a few checkups and uh, they realized there was like a lump, a lump on the inside of my foot. Um, and uh, at that point, it was thought that it might have been like a, um, it was diagnosed as being a, a neuroma, so like a growth from the nerve yeah. that came out from there. And um, so from there, then um, it was operated on um, and removed successfully and the foot kept intact. Um, but it was only then afterwards, probably about a month after when that was what they'd removed was sent for testing that it was realized it was a it was just a cancerous growth in the foot um like a sarcoma just on the inside of the foot and um then because of where that location it was it was either a choice of uh keeping keeping the foot and removing part of the heel much of the muscle structure and tendons and bone within it so it would be not functioning foot with a fairly high chance of reoccurrence or then amputation um so when they discovered the neuroma and they removed it did you say that they, did they do a biopsy to see if it yeah, was cancer? Yeah, after they removed it, they did a biopsy, yeah, of what they diagnosed as a neuroma, but it was a sarcoma. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so who made, who makes that like decision when you're only 10 or 11 years old? Is it yourself or is it your parents or uh, how does that That work? was, that was my parents and um, they I were, you know, they'd, of course, I got the, the information from the first of all, the hospital said that it was all clear and it should be a, a good recovery. Uh, and then I, they, I was informed that I had a few checkups and they would have another operation. Um, my parents didn't say anything in the days leading up to it. It was only then in the hospital the night before. So, uh, that the, the surgeon informed me, um, which I think at that age is, is the best thing. I mean, any kind of lead time into that, knowing yeah. you're going to have that major surgery and, that Definitely. change of prognosis have been when yeah so that. so your parents made the decision mm. that it wasn't yeah. going to be the heel operation yeah and it wasn't that, really a viable option um, right at that point. yeah okay. after the after the work had been done um yeah. it was that would have only that was the only option available at that right point. Um, okay yeah um, yeah how did your parents kind of respond to all that too like do you remember i mean you're 11 years old yeah right yeah because yeah I so, can only imagine now you as a parent, mm -hmm. how you would feel with your children and going through some of that. Um, I think I can appreciate now even more really how horrific it must have been. You know, mm -hmm. It's bad enough when you see one of your kids just a, a little bit ill and they'll, you know, home for a few days for that and feeling a bit poorly. But yeah, going through that and the difficulties in the in, in getting a bright dark kind of diagnosis for it and then having the amputation um, would have been would have been hell for them. Um yeah. Uh, then afterwards, there was because of how it was treated and mistreated. Um, there was quite a high chance of recurrence, so having to have um, uh, PET scans every initially every month, and then after a few months, every three months, just to make sure it hadn't reoccurred in my leg or anywhere else in my body. So, yeah, that was a pretty awful experience to try and go through, kind of having to have the scan and having to wait until we got the yeah. check for that. So. It's wow. almost like I would imagine as a kid, you're that's a lot of anxiety. I would mm. think. And then did you end up having it all in Starship down in Auckland or where was all of so this? So this is all in the UK. So this was in, in, yeah. in London. Um, um, yeah, so it's on the NHS over there. Mm. Um, uh, but um, then um, it was it took a while to kind of get used to, in some ways kind of psychologically, like getting used to, it's fine, other kids no problem with, and I was a kid myself because kids ask questions, but just getting used to the fact that if I was out and about, people would look and people would stare, and, mm. you know, and um, yeah, that took a little bit to, to, to get used to, but um, yeah, I kind of wanted, I was pretty determined to get going and get moving as quick as I could and, mm. you know, get get kind of walking on crutches within a few months and then kind of yeah, pushing on from there. Um, mm. And ever since then, really, it's been about kind of thinking about what I can do to challenge it and what I could kind of keep pushing on, on doing, really. Yeah. Um, 
in many ways I see it as a as an advantage and that is um it's not something that's held me back it's just something that I've kept challenging yeah, yeah. wow huh. did sorry I have so many questions about that too so when <laughs> yeah. you because at 11 years old also did you have your friends see you go through that and what was the response that your friends had um really supportive yeah um yeah it's just kind of in that transition just before going to going to high school um oh. so yeah and I knew quite a few people there and um I think they kind of saw how i just kind of got on with things and wanted to carry on playing football. I was remember like in a school playground um, about two weeks afterwards, I didn't want to be stuck in a wheelchair. So I was on crutches and mm. was determined to be playing football at morning tea and lunchtime. So yeah. they kept claiming it was handball when I was using my crutch to try and score. Like, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, yeah, cool. yeah. So they're really, really accepted for it. Yeah. 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 It mm. sounds like you were quite an active child. Mm. And so you obviously had lots of motivation to yeah. be able to like get back to being as active as possible. Yep. As yeah, quickly yeah. as possible. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, um, um, you know, it's, at that point it was, it was kind of a transition in the, in the limb technology as well. So I remember the first few ones had just like a wooden foot and a steel rod really to, to hold it up. Um uh, and at that point, early on, it was quite a lot of the health system in the UK was was catered for older older generations. There'd be a lot of people that lost legs through diabetes and other health yeah. issues. Um, but we did kind of notice that shift and and better technology and getting better legs as well. Um, yeah. Not without kind of pitfalls along the way, but um, yeah, certainly I was to get more active and, and do more things as kind of teenage years went on. Yeah. Um, can, sorry, this isn't on the um, no, run sheet. We've given James a run sheet, and um, Mel and I have already we <laughs> thrown that out the window. <laughs> but I just want to kind of talk about your journey from 2011 mm-hmm. to actually being able to run. Yep. What did that look like? So, yep. what did the rehabilitation um, program look like? And yeah, yeah. So and how was, long did it take? So through like through teenage years, I was I played. You know, I was playing football a lot. I was in like playing my school football team. Um, managed to break break a kid's toe when he it was his fault. He fouled me. <laughs> he fouled me. I, I managed to tackle him, and he he tried to shoot and kick the carbon fiber part of my leg instead yeah. of the ball, and oh, came yeah. off worse. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> um, we love a good stub toe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so, but then it was only kind of doing short bursts of it uh, rather than in anything longer. Um, yeah. It was probably when I, um, I was always quite active doing lots of walking and things and a bit of gym as well. But it's probably when I moved over to New Zealand in about 2000 and end of 2011, um, I started to be more active on it and um then transitioning to using the, the healthcare service over here as well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I've received some really awesome bits of equipment and great, um, um, great services from the limb center in Auckland uh, from that as well. Um, and it's from there, I, I started to do more kind of going to, going to the gym a bit more and doing a little bit more cardio th- things there. Um, still not, not doing that much running, being hesitant on doing that much. So I was using the like cross trainer and things like yeah. that. Um, yeah, and it all kind of changed around uh, around 2017. Um, so th- around then, I think we went back to England for uh, to see my parents and family over Christmas. And I was kind of, I'd got relatively healthy and wanted to keep doing that. And um, yeah, I thought the best way, I'll just try doing running a little bit there. And um, yeah, really enjoyed, enjoyed doing that. And then when I got back, I was kind of trying to do it a bit more and mm. slowly going from there. Yeah. So uh, what, is, what was your why? 
around why you started running? Like, what was it just? The why at that point was to try and was just to keep fitness over going back and spending time in pubs and catching up with friends in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> not come back pasty and podgy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is still happened anyway. Um, um, but yeah, then I, I just found it great. Like, I just so meditative being out there and it's still uh, all the pitfalls of a of a runner when you're starting off. So mm. getting like shin splints and overtraining mm. and, and all those mistakes and getting those like um, those kind of injuries and, and then a few little minor issues with my leg as well from it. But um, yeah, it's just still just kind of slowly building, getting a bit more experience with it, um, um, with my leg. Um, then probably the, the challenge was then um, it was still just in the, my normal walking activity leg, which is just like a, a general activity leg. So I was kind of, you know, pummeling my stump quite a bit wearing that one. Um, so then it was trying to get access to, to kind of a, a better leg that'd be more suited for running, um, which was then the, the next challenge to try and overcome. Yeah, mm. right. Um, can, you, can you talk about that challenge specifically? Yep. Yeah, so um, uh, with, um, with my amputation, I was on, on New Zealand Healthcare, um, which has been, uh, been an excellent service, but naturally it isn't and and can't be a bottomless kit of money for me to say, I've just been running on holiday. I want a running leg. Can you get me a running leg? Right. Um, yeah. So it was after I started, I started to appeal for it and started to speak to my, uh, speak to the limb center, um, maybe about a year and a half after that, after I've been running on this one. Um, and I think in the meantime, I did do, I'd gone up to some, doing some decent distances. So I'd done the Auckland half marathon I did on just my normal walking leg. Wow. Um, um yeah, but it was uh, certainly a limiting factor and then I could pick up injuries quite quickly and it's quite hard to do. How yeah. many walking legs did you have then? Or did you just have one that you'd be able to use? Just one okay. main leg, yeah. So okay. again, like, if I had a problem with it, if I had a breakage and there's been many breakages, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, I'd be stuck literally without a leg to stand on. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had to... Um, after that, then I had to, I had a few more months, well, a few more months, another six months into a year. And what I've kind of learned all the way through being an amputee is you've just got to keep pushing for more. And the more you, the, you want to, you can challenge them and the more that they can see that you want to continue that that upward trajectory, then mm. the more you can get from it. Um, so um, yeah, I went to a kind of a few appeals and eventually I was able to convince them that it would be good for them to um, get a running leg alongside my walking leg. Um and that was just hugely transformative when I got that probably about four years ago now, I think. Wow. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's a, a um, it's a, almost like it's similar to a track blade. It's like a, a hybrid version of that, but it's a, rather than a much smaller curved carbon fiber, it comes right the way out and curves around. Can you tell me a little bit about how when you switched from the walking blade to a running blade, how probably fast, like, in terms of your pace and probably even yeah. like efficiency mm. and um i don't know how your stump felt with that too yeah yeah can you talk a little um, more about that it did it took a while to get used to um it's uh it's it, there's, a, there's changes to the gait that occur with it and the nature of the leg only works under under compression so if you're standing on it it's two or three centimeters too tall because it's not meant for that it's meant for when you're running so um yeah just getting used to that and it swings around a little bit if you're on uneven ground. Uh, uh, took a while, um, but yeah, I did notice it would you know pretty. It was you know, pretty quickly would make a, a difference at times. Um, it isn't 
it isn't a silver bullet. It didn't just, you know, stick a, a rocket up my backside and get me going. Um, as much as I hoped it would, you know, sadly, clearly the rest of my body still has to work harder and run fast. Yeah. I wonder if it's the, is, or would it be the equivalent of like wearing carbon, fi- like carbon shoes? Mm. As, would you yeah, it might be a bit like that. Yeah. Would be? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Just be. Yeah, could you describe to people that are listening to maybe describe the difference between a running and a walking? But because the running blade I'm picturing is more of that, like yeah, yeah. So the walking leg would the walking leg would be you know what I'd be wearing kind of under trousers at work and so on. Would um, the all the mechanics of it are closely focused around the ankle, and then the actual foot, which is carbon fiber, has a foot cover on it to go into shoes. Um, right. The running blade, however, from the the bit that attaches on uh, as a below the amputee, it's about halfway down my shin. Um, then you've got a big sweeping curve which goes way back beyond that point of balance, which goes down to the end of the blade, uh, which has uh, treads on it. So, yeah, yeah no shoes with that no one. Shoes, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, just a running tread, which can can be replaced on there too. And you can run on trails with that? Yep, running yep. on trails, yep. Yeah, it's got quite big grips on it. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's can be quite hard on quite rocky material um, mm. because if I, you know, I haven't my I haven't got an ankle that's going to adapt to any surface. So mm. if I stand on something, the rest of my body goes that way. Yeah. Um, so it's less efficient than it would be for other runners on there, but still fun. Um, yeah. Thing I've got to look out for if I twist the wrong way, I can end up catching my left ankle on the edge of the carbon fiber Ooh, blade, yeah. which hurts quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you find transitioning to the running blade? that you were falling over more or because I would almost imagine like having that, t- that is a totally different surface. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, probably the, the hardest thing was it's when you're, when I was up and running, it was okay. And it was, um, um, there's a few things I, I didn't really appreciate before that actually the acceleration and deceleration is still the same. I'm not any faster really over, over five, 10 meters. It's more just the efficiency when they get up, get up to running. Um, probably, okay. probably the thing that, What's the hardest is when it, you know, it's fairly comfortable. And if I had it, I had to just remember that I still had it on. Because if I was walking on it, it's walking on leg that's just the toes. There's no midfoot, there's no heel. So say if I try and walk backwards or take a step backwards, I just fall backwards because there's nothing there. So just have to remember when I've got it on, particularly if I'm carrying carrying one of of our kids at the time, that I've only got the toes there. There's no heel, there's no foot. Yeah. 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 Hmm. have you got any stories of like when you first got it, like of of like instances where you've like where you have fallen over that are, that were? Um, just I've fallen over with that one. Um, a few times, and a few. I used to go to Cornwall Park um, uh, quite a bit early in the yeah. morning in Auckland, and yeah. Um, um, yeah, I remember one time I was went for a run in the morning, and my head torch ran out of batteries, so I was running back as you yeah. do, and yeah, I managed to. Managed to catch the end of it on a on a tree root and yeah. went through those stages of almost saving myself, thinking I was going to save myself, and then yeah. face planting into yeah. into tree and dirt. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was teaching. I was at a boys' boarding house then as well um, as a boarding master. So coming back, just like bloodied and oh. bruised oh, and covered in dirt, was in quite a yeah. sight. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, we'll go back to the run sheet. Yeah, no, we're, <laughs> I know. Well. To, so the one of the first questions is what were the half marathons you raced in? Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me within that which ones you were using? Maybe even the walking versus the running. Yep. Played. Uh, yeah, from half marathons I've done Auckland. That was with um, that was with my walking leg. Yep. So. And what was your time? Do you can't remember. Can't remember the time, but I think it was about 
just over five minutes a K for that wow. one. Wow. With your walking leg? Yeah, with okay. walking walking leg. Yeah. And then yeah. do you remember the yeah. one with your... Yeah, with my with so with blade. with the blade, um, Fangaday would be, and that was when I was in in, the, in good shape for that one. I think it was about it was about four thirty nine or so per k for that. Wow, so, that's decent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is so really pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not so I'm not quite at that level at the moment, but I'm still sorry, to get back. Can you guys do time? An hour? Yeah, about, yeah, about that, just under an hour forty. That I think. is yeah. so good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Was that your favorite race? Was the Fungaday half? Um, yeah, that is. Yeah, I, I think I've done that twice. Um, uh, and yeah, I'd like definitely like to get back and do do a few more of that as well. Cause it's quite mm. a nice, fast, fast course for most of it as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, I feel like that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's good. They did uh, Kerry Kerry two years ago as well. Oh yeah, which is yeah, great. It's a good one. It's mostly downhill. It's marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And um, we've heard that we know that you've done a marathon, but mm-hmm. we've, we've heard that you're banned from doing another one. Can you elaborate on that, please, James? <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I did the Auckland Marathon. Um, must have been like three, three or so years ago. Um, and with it, and both of that one and my first um, half marathon, as well as you know training for an event and trying to get to the, the, the stage of being able to you know, put my body through a marathon. It's such a great opportunity as well to, to raise funds around it. So for both of them, I've, you know, I've done uh, raising, uh, raising money for the Cancer Society um, um, uh, for it. So I put a lot of energy into that and got loads of money for it. Um, and equally the training to make sure that, that I was doing the long runs and all of, all of the, all that preparation. Um, um, got to the day and I was hoping for, I was going to, I was aiming for around four hours, even though it was my first marathon as well, I thought I could get potentially around there. So that was well, my first target was to finish, but second one to do that. Um, also in doing it, I have the um, part of the issues with my leg because of the silicon sleeve that goes over my stump. I um, It sweats and then naturally every so often I need to take it off and dry it off as well. So it's kind of working out how long I can keep going before I, I get to that stage. Um, with, um, um, with that one, I... Made a, made a good start and was running really well uh, well through it. I usually have to take my leg off every eight to ten k's, but I got halfway through at the half marathon mark and and did a quick pit stop then um, and carried on. And um, yeah, it went really well on the day. Uh, ended up getting in a, a three forty four, um, wow. so well under my task uh, my my target time for that. Um, um, yeah, so that was delighted with that and and got my timings kind of spot on for it as well. Yeah. Um, even though it was above what I was going to aim for as I was managing to hang on. So yeah, really later with that, it just then so happened. I started to feel a bit off later on that evening and um, uh, then had to end up in hospital for about a day or so. Um, uh, and I, I, what I thought might've been an infection in my stump brought on by all the impacts of, of running the marathon. Um, what it turned out to be was more that, because of the way my leg was fitting and wasn't fitting that well as most of the run, it was kind of the sleeve was sliding off a bit, but I just was pushing for the time, okay. ignored it. Yeah. Um, I basically went, put my, my stump through what had been like a kind of meat pulverizer process. Oh, totally. Of con- uh-huh. like that constant impact. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I ended up with uh, really quite deep tissue damage to it. Yeah. Wow. Um, initially when I was running, I thought if I get an issue like that, sometimes I've had infections in my stump. I've had maybe two weeks, three weeks maximum off. So I thought I'll just leave it all out there, push my body as far as it can and yeah. it'll be all right. I could just have a bit of time off. But 
Um, yeah, with that deep tissue damage, my stump swelled up to about three times its size and stayed that wow. way for a month, two months, three months. Wow. So I was just on crutches throughout yeah. that time. Oh my I was going to say mm. that's the problem with when mm. those kinds of things happen is then when you typically can rely on that leg, now you can't even fit the stump anymore yeah. and so you, or the um, your leg anymore. And so yeah. then you're crutching around or using a freaking wheelchair and it's yeah. just yeah it's just crutches yeah quadruple the amount of work to do everything yeah yeah so, I mean, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. painful at the time when you were running no like, it was okay at the time yeah wow. and immediately afterwards but then it was just as yeah maybe just kind of coming off the adrenaline into the mm. evening then yeah it just started throbbing and getting worse and worse and then yeah, yeah do you so. think did you hit a wall in the marathon and i wonder if like was that were you more did you hit a wall or not i no. I, I i a semi wall but not yeah. not too bad you know I, I hear so much about it I'd, i've done good distance in training up to about like 34 k's or so 35 oh, yeah. so mm, i was up around ready. there i was conscious of it feeling more difficult and i i stayed with the pacer for a little bit and then let him drift away um but yeah luckily just got under that mm. that 345 one um yeah, so that, and then after that, the problem was then after that happened, the swelling went down, mm. but I still had some residual scar tissue and my stump had, in effect, changed shape. Yeah. So it meant that my running leg and all my legs were kind of useless. I couldn't really wear them anymore. So mm. then the next year or so of going back to limb center, getting my legs changed and then wow. had to get a new walking leg, had to yeah. get a new running leg um, to recover from more. Do you think looking back then, like, would it have made a difference if you changed it more frequently? Because during your yep. training runs, when you'd go all the way up to 34K, were you trying to change that late? Like, get, is it, are you wringing yeah. out the silicone or yeah, what are you just, doing it, when you're? Yeah, the sleeve, it just starts to slide off a bit. So I just have to dry, dry out the silicone in my stump and then put the leg back on. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. That was, that was probably the main contributing factor was not stopping enough, but yeah. mm-hmm. it was an, an unknown unknown at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I wouldn't have got under three forty-five for for mm. doing that. So yeah. clearly, with hindsight, I would have done that differently. Yeah. But at yeah. the time, it was the best choice. Yeah, mm. that's a really long time to have to. I mean, you're you get off this high of running a marathon, a three mm. like your first ever marathon, and running that time is really mm. solid. And then finding out the infection and not being able to run for such an extended period yeah. is that must have been really hard, mm. like mentally. How did you manage? Um, yeah, well, not be able to, to, to walk or do anything as well. Exactly. So yeah, do all of that. Get dressed um, and take yeah. a shower. <laughs> well, I did. I, I still wanted to do something. So I, I decided to take up swimming for a while. Um, cool. So that yeah. was that was really good. Having, you know, learned to swim, but not, not done nothing else but splash around. So I'd kind of use that running approach to swimming, kind of like do a bit of reading around it, look at just YouTube videos about technique and mm. trying to do different things. So that that was quite enjoyable and, and like doing that. And of course, that was great. I could do some cardio work and things mm-hmm. without any any issues in my legs. So, yeah. yeah. With the swimming, um, did you have to use a prosthetic for that or? Uh, no, with that, I just don't, don't want my leg. Um, do you just, just put a pole boy between your legs? No, I could just, just swim usually. So just yeah. using it normally. And yeah, yeah, contrary to popular belief, I don't just go round and round in circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i could see why you got banned then to do another yes yeah, so that yeah. was that was yeah. that was what the ban although you know i still think never say never and i did enjoy doing it i learned from from the experience yeah. so yeah. yeah 
yeah. I would, would like to eventually once we get get a bit more time to do those get those longer runs in yeah um, yeah and just do a bit more testing around like you said like you just wouldn't make the same mistakes again yeah, but I yeah. guess if you don't do it you don't know yeah, eh? yeah, so yeah. yeah yeah and I think I would imagine the equipment is really just such a big component of it with the sil- again the silicone sleeve and then just knowing how to manage that because mm. um, one of our next questions that I had is like how often do you have to change that and I guess you answered my question earlier of like you're having to change the silicone sleeve um, yeah. quite often is there any other things that you're having to think about yeah, during well, a long run yeah so I mean I'm having to to I get replacement sleeves for it um Steph and the kids have had the misfortune of recently I've just had one sleeve from my my stump so I wash it every day and keep it really clean but that's on the inside the sweat kind of builds up on the outside so quite rapidly I get kind of wet dog smell following me around Um, but now I've I've just got a few more just uh, just the other day but yeah the the legs my walking legs last a while longer I do sometimes get breaks in them Um, running leg usually it's got a like a it's got quite a long warranty for it. And the limbs that have said, you won't break the running leg. And I've <laughs> broken every one I've had, actually. Um, <laughs> so every one, they eventually get a crack through the, the carbon fibre at the back. Yeah. My current one has as well, which um, hasn't hasn't completely given way, but it would head that way eventually. So. Whoever told you that didn't realise how hardcore you were, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> keep going on it, yeah. Yeah, why do you think that, do you have a theory of oh, why just, you think that just, is? that kind of constant pounding really hardcore just keep yeah. Going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like i said check a strava page out yeah. and you'll see you've got like some serious consistent weekly mileage that you do yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. um james i think um what might be quite interesting is for you to just talk about the how all this is paid for mm-hmm. um and the struggles that you've encountered um well, you talked a little bit about even just getting your running blade. Yep. Can you just talk about, you know, what the difference is between, because you don't get ACC funding, do you? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, because no. it was cancer. Uh, yeah, it was so cancer. So can you yep. just talk a little bit about that, please? Yep. Thank you. Um, yeah, so right, transitioning from kind of being NHS in the UK, so kind of a similar similar basis in some ways to a healthcare system. Um, I've, I found it really positive. I... Um, the the skill of the the prosthesis maker that I've got John in Auckland um, has been really good and he's him and the team there work like a really good collaborative approach so he's always learning new things and and trying new techniques and um, but yeah with it all being funded through healthcare then there's a limit to the scope I can have with it so mm. there's things like I'd really like to be able to get like a kind of a beach activity leg which is just basically like a it just has like a wooden foot and some holes in it so it doesn't just bob around and float in the water mm. and it just makes that you know, beach transition much easier and wearing yeah. water. But ah. with having the running leg and the walking leg, it's it's just a bit too much to try and push for that. If um, you if you were if you had had an amputation as a result of an accident, yep. then would you be able to get things like that? I, I think it, I don't know because I'm not yeah. in that situation. I, um, yeah, I, I think it's a bit easier to come by, but I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they they have been really supportive, understanding of me wanting to push for more my running leg and um, just and the the blade itself. It's from a um, Osser, which is an Icelandic um, manufacturer. So uh, and. Um, I've recently been on on their website and doing some research into what new legs they have, and I've yeah. seen like, the new kind of general purpose running one. So 
I called, I've spoke to my limb centre the other week, yeah. which I don't think they're too related by, um, <laughs> about how I've seen this new one and because I keep breaking these, yeah. they should now look exactly. at me. Exactly, like what's, what's cheaper for them to keep replacing your current one yeah. or just to get just one get that, that one. will last you a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's the angle I'm going for. So yeah, they've, they've said they'll get back to me and haven't done yet, but I'll, I'll keep chasing. Keep, yeah. Um, then go through appeal and, and see if I can yeah. get I would all, Yeah, I feel like it's pretty surprising like funding that is available mm. um, or isn't available. Yeah. That's- but well, and it depends a lot, I guess, cause I'm like, so I'm a speech therapist mm-hmm. and I work for the hospital and I am surprised when I am able to get funding for certain things. And I think it really just has to do with like, you just keep pushing and pushing for it. Yep. And so you almost need, like you need to advocate for yourself probably is what you found mm. um, more than anything. And then, hopefully getting a good team like John you said yep, is yeah, someone yeah, that you books, yeah, yeah you've got like your team of people that you know are going to support you and mm. try to prove that the funding is completely appropriate mm. yeah yeah um yeah and it, I mean the hard thing is it means that there's certain people like from vulnerable backgrounds that aren't gonna realize those avenues aren't gonna realize what the mm. potential is of being an amputee and what they can do so yeah, certainly if I, when I see people of different ages or at the limb centre, you know, I'll always speak to them and want yeah. them to, to learn a bit about what kind of things I can do. And that's when obviously like, you know, big events and Paralympics is so important to see. Mm-hmm. Um, do you speak at some of the limb centre groups? I, I have done more in the UK uh, when I've been over there. I haven't really as much here really. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, I've been in touch with another, another amputee runner as well to, to see how they're going. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and also well, one other thing with purely selfish motive is that because I've been running for quite a while, I've gone through many, many, many shoes, mm. um, but I'm only running with my left shoe because I've got the blade of my other one. And I don't have the heart to throw away a shoe. It's a perfectly yeah. good shoe. So I've now got two large bags in the shed of right, <laughs> right size 11 shoe. UK shoes. Yeah. yeah. No one that needs, needs a running shoe. Yeah. I've, I've managed to find someone in, I think it was in Thailand through a friend of a friend, who played volleyball and didn't and didn't use a prosthesis, um, so we managed to ship a few over them oh, cool. to him. But yeah. it's a very niche request. Yeah. yeah. What is your favourite running show? Um, I I stick with um, a lot of the Mizuno Wave Riders is mm. my main one. Um, yeah, I find that they're they're kind of a good balance, and I think I've got a slightly flatter foot, so I think it helps with the that yeah. that that support around there. Yeah, um, I've had a few. I've got a trail one. I can't remember what what that is, and had a few fast ones before, but they don't tend to last as long. Yeah, your yeah. walking blade though it can fit a shoe into it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so this one I can. Yeah, my yeah. normal walking leg has a normal shoe in it. Yeah. So it's more of any like when you purchase running shoes, which running shoes are always very expensive. Yeah. But when you do buy them, then that's the one you're having to kind of. Yeah, yeah. So out. my running shoes, yeah. 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 Big store. Oh, All right. You heard him. If you know someone that <laughs> yeah. needs yeah. right pair of the shoe, then yeah, we'll have to contact mm. James. Funny. It's, it's just these things that you sort of don't think about. Like, of course, that you're <laughs> yeah. only needing to buy one shoe. And yeah. like, yeah, what? You literally have to throw your, well, you're not throwing it out, which is really good. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I would. Just be like, can I only pay fifty percent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. yeah, Please. totally. Like, yeah, it seems I'm, so unfair. Yeah, <laughs> it has been on my list of things, particularly to I should do to Mizuno, who I've used uh, for quite a while, of writing to them and, yeah. and start mm-hmm. seeing if I can, yeah. if mm-hmm. I can, you know, just start getting single shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel like 
they should be supporting you. And it kind of goes back to what you had said of your, did you reach out to someone here in the area that is amputee? Uh, it's just on a yeah, Facebook forum, the amputee forum. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, it's such a like small community, but I can only imagine by you being able to be the voice of some of that and mm. show people by example, like this is what you can do. Yeah. And yeah. like if they say, oh yeah, you can get this running blade, it's going to last you forever. And then you can tell them, actually, no, I keep breaking <laughs> yeah, it. I and like, them, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it's pretty, yeah, it's inspiring to have that mm. view around for that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about just general sort of running stuff? Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, what's your typical kind of fuel that you'll use in your half marathons or even in your marathon? Half marathons, uh, not too much, just a bit of, bit of hydration mm. on the way. Um, it's funny, when I started running, I was, again, like many people, it was making sure I was feeling really thirsty and going running with a bottle of water and all those things and yeah. you realize not just move away from that get used to not as much yeah with marathons i was just using some energy gels with me yeah. which i'd yeah. use for my long run training and yeah just doing that um, and it's actually quite nice in the in the summer holidays just gone i was able to do a few longer runs and yeah start needing to use that a bit nice. more because it's been the first time for probably since that marathon i've been doing up around like 19 20k runs which, yeah 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 it's when it starts to kick in after that yeah 15k or so what is your weekly mileage? Probably about 40 to 45K or so. Depends okay. on how the kids sleep. Yes, depending on, <laughs> depending on sleep, depending on those variables, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so looking to try and get a bit more consistency now that our youngest Seb is, is just about to be two. So yeah, um, yeah looking to do that and, and try and get a longer run in the weekend if I can. Yeah, and, um, and what about like what your goals are for 2024? Have, are you thinking about any entering any races? or? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd like to do some events. Um the beach to basin in just under yeah. a month's time yep. um yeah. and actually i was just thinking this morning was that jogging that could be quite a nice little mini target to have of trying to improve my short run speed mm. it's just 10k is the most painful distance so I know. Really it hurts. Hard. Yeah. yeah what are some so you talked about doing fartlek uh at the start yep. of the episode do you do any what kind of speed work do you do i just that and some in some interval ones um i'll Often I quite like just because it's more just grabbing that time in the morning, but depending on what it is, uh, chucking in some strides at the end as well of a mm. run is just really nice. So way. smart. Yeah. 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 It's a really yeah. nice way just to squeeze it in without having to be too tactical on it. I feel mm. like you would be a really good person to get advice from for people that are like time poor with mm. small children. Like you, everything yeah. you're talking about is like really smart when you've yeah. only got like an hour in the morning or you're just trying to cram mm. something in, like just, you know, doing a few strides at the end of yeah, your run. Yeah adding in some faster stuff in the middle of, you know, even if you're only doing seven kilometers, you know, mm. putting a couple of fast Ks in there, which is exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So now if, if I, you know, if I want to get in the right time for that, I can, it's actually quite easy if I get out in the morning, I can just do a 25 minute session and just do like a, a sprint focus to mm. it, which will really mm. help that, that 10K training. Yeah. It's not much time to dedicate. It's just that on it's a hot muggy morning, the motivation mm. to yeah. actually push because yeah. otherwise you're just jogging for 2Ks. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Have you had any serious injuries apart from the marathon from one? The pulverizing stump, <laughs> which is um, pretty serious. Yeah, I've had I've had quite a few 
I always have to have to have that balance with my stump. So I've had many, and sometimes I can get small infections. And if I, and it's that balance of how much do I just ignore it and keep running with it? Because if I stopped every time the, my stump was a little bit sore or a little bit achy or a little bit rubbing, I'd be hardly running at all. So it's how much I just push through. But then sometimes I do and think, ah, yes, that was not a great idea. And yeah. mm-hmm. it can, you know, because of the pressure when I'm running on it, if there's a small infection, it can then, as it's being forced back in deeper, then swell up and get yeah. a bit nasty. So, yeah, quite a few times having three days, five days, and sometimes up to one or two weeks mm-hmm. um, off from it. Um, aside from that, I've been touched with not not too bad. Um, um, yeah, just a little few tendons and things, niggles. just niggles. Nothing major. Shin splints in the beginning, is that what you said? Yeah, shin splints at the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, now I've got I've done a you know, um I keep a very quite regular load and yeah, obviously true. just watch the any increases and decreases. It's yeah. I think it's just as you get more experience, it's like learning to like listen to your body and mm. and um, it also sounds like you much. have an incredibly high pain threshold though too, James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. yeah. Like you have to be pretty resilient to be like what you've been through and like I think you are totally understating like you're you're incredible like hmm. you're just you're incredibly you must be incredibly resilient and mentally strong <laughs> yeah um yeah it's just um I don't know you just you can't change that the hand that you don't really so yeah. it's just about then you know making the most of the opportunities with it and mm-hmm. you know when I when I'm out running and things like that and you know inevitably if doing park run it's you're not competitive but the moment you're mm. out there you are mm. using that as competition and mm. using it as to, oh, yeah. to get in front and it's yeah you know i'm comparing myself against those people i don't don't see a difference there um yeah um it's hard to know really what the difference is with efficiency but it's kind of somewhere between that 20 to 30 percent less efficient with, a, with artificial leg even really? with a blade yeah. wow yeah. so yeah. when you talk about the fact that you did uh um one hour 38 mm-hmm. half mm. and then your three hour 44 yeah, yeah. 344 yeah uh, that, i mean to me that's know, like equivalent to like what 320 yeah probably or yeah yeah mm. i don't know yeah 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 that's insane on your first one <laughs> <laughs> and your half marathon time i mean that is really speedy mm. yeah yeah yeah, Speaking of pain, do you, when you were 11, you probably experienced phantom pain. Mm-hmm. Is that something that still happens now? No. And I was really fortunate that I, I fundamentally didn't really have anything, anything major at all, but I have met other amputees that have had like a, a stabbing sensation, agonizing feeling that in some cases may go on for years and in a foot they don't, they no longer have. Yeah. Um, and very little that could be done apart from to kind of sedate and medicate um, to try and um, treat that. Um, mine was, it was a really, it's so, so bizarre. I had, um, it felt like for about two weeks afterwards, uh, straight after the amputation, that my toes in my right foot, which no longer was there, were being squeezed together. And it felt like my little toe was overlapping the next toe in. Oh, wow. And not, not just like a little bit, it was a convincing feeling like my toes yeah. were squished together. Not painful, but I could just feel them, the little toe resting on the, the next one inside. Is there anything, are there any like um, mental exercises that you're given to do mm. to, to deal with that? Or what, and do they, do they prepare you for that? And what do they say? It was, it was, we were informed of it. I don't know if there might be more, more educational now, because this is yeah. back in 94. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I knew kind of what it was then and, and then it just kind of drifted away and it was only after after two weeks and sometimes mm. a little bit of tingling feeling but it's hard to know whether that tingling is 
at where the nerve endings had recently been se- uh, severed or mm-hmm. was it in that kind of area below it but yeah. yeah so nothing at all in terms of pain but mm. just a bizarre feeling of cramped toes and a foot that was amputated yeah mm. i'm no expert but in the states i did work with a lot of amputees that were more diabetic related yep. and we would give out a booklet about phantom pain and had and so this was like 2018 and on and there is a lot of research about mm. it and a lot of interest like there is medication options of like a neuron which is like kind of a nerve pain um management medication but then also interestingly a lot of it is like either postural changes or distractive behavior like kind of distracting it or even um meditation was like a really big one and thinking about breathing um but yeah that was all that and for you obviously now it doesn't affect you anymore no no so no, it's, it's not now, like yeah. you would need to think about that yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. huh and that when you had that feeling of the small pinky toe kind of moving over that lasted for two weeks but then it eventually yeah. went away yeah so it was it was it was a, as a constant there um but uh yeah it wasn't uncomfortable and then it just faded after mm. two weeks yeah and then nothing again since then <laughs> yeah yeah it's quite wonderful how the human mind works. Yeah, it is. Has to adapt to that situation. Yeah, our bodies um, are so adaptable. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, you know, nerves misfiring. It's your brain just has to mm. interpret something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just lucky; it was a very minor thing that mind interpreted. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Um, okay, James. Um, just a couple more questions. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you for ages, so you'll have to come for a run with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can, we yeah. can grill you. <laughs> We're making it sound so appealing. Um, <laughs> I suppose um, what sort of advice would you give to someone that is struggling with something physically that, mm-hmm. that maybe want to run but just need to overcome that barrier of taking the – first step into it yeah yeah i mean it's, it's a lot of people for a variety of reasons would find it difficult um you know, i don't know about you guys but i i love it when i if i'm out running and i see someone who may i don't know it might not be their first their first few times doing it and it might be difficult for them like those are the people i'm doffing my cap to the yep. most really yeah, totally um, and yeah. that are just that are just doing it again out there because uh, it is hard and your body you know like if any of us have had time away from it our bodies are incredible at adapting to that increased load but they're also incredible at going backwards as well when you stop <laughs> mm-hmm. running yeah just um be able to try and try and overcome those challenges really just being able to like the what, what those limitations are it's not it's not as a fix really i'm i define myself as i am an amputee i am disabled but it's not going to impact on how i want to live lead my life mm. and it's not going i'm not prepared to kind of sit back and let it dictate to me the level of activity um laterally a few times it does kind of tap me on the shoulder and say no that's enough yeah. and that's when i get the issues but um yeah those those are, are all able to be overcome mm. um of course other people with other, other issues other injuries or other uh, disabilities um may not be able to do that kind of thing but there is an activity for everyone out there mm. and um for me it's just the the meditative space it gives me it's like it's my meditation it's my mm-hmm. kind of find mm. myself and my thoughts even if it is trudging out the door at five in the morning um and i've just yeah i found that kind of invaluable really over mm. the last five years or so yeah definitely yeah. would you say that you know it's about just starting small is that what mm. you did um yeah so if you think back to say your first 
run where you said, I'm going to go out for a run. Mm. What did that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so this, the, the first few, just yeah, just be able to just do anything. I kind of run, walk. And, yeah. and this there's like great programs like those kind of like couch to 5K yes. ones as well, which are really great for, for people to, to, to just kind of make those small little, little mm. changes and, and squeeze it in. Um, I mean, I remember when I was starting off, you know, thinking that this is fun to do. Maybe I might be able to one day run five kilometers yeah. and, you know, be able to eventually do that. And then I remember probably it's a good few months afterwards. So it wasn't like I suddenly got into running long, long distances. I remember like at one point I was out running and I managed to get to like eight kilometers and I was, Oh my God, I can't believe yeah. it. I thought, yeah. cause at that point I knew I could do activities, but I didn't think I'd ever have to run that mm. far. And then like a few weeks later being overjoyed that I could get to, 10 kilometers. I never thought I'd be able to run mm. 10 kilometers. And I'd been told before that I wouldn't be able to do things like a marathon. It would yeah. be just too much impact um, yeah. and too much pressure on the leg. So even like a, from a teenage point, and at that point, I might've been true of the prosthesis available at that point. Um, but it was, I would always think I'd like to do something. I'd like to do a run, but it was, I'd never be able to do a marathon. Mm. So yeah, just kind of those small ones. And uh, uh, yeah, I can remember the exact run of doing that first 10K and seeing on my watch that I'd run mm. 10K without stopping. It felt yeah. incredible. Um, yeah. So, and I yeah. think it's a really inspirational story that you're capable of things that you don't even know are mm. possible for you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you are a like testament to that. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Do you look at other people's stories then too? Um, I cannot remember her name. I want to say it's Adrian, but she was there when the Boston Marathon bombing happened. Oh yeah, and yeah. and had an amputee, and then Shalane Flanagan paced mm. her for her marathon. And again, it's kind of that proof of like, oh, you you can't run a marathon, but then like here we are proving to people that yep. yes, there's a equi- like there's equipment out there, and they're more than capable of being able to do it safely mm. too. Um, I'm not saying for you to run a marathon again, but <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Do you look to those stories or like, what do you think about that? Um, those, they're incredibly important. I, I, I looked at them a bit. Um, I think it's when we, we still need to see far more publicity around it. And um, mm. I think with Paralympics now, it gets a, a larger focus. I still think it's a little bit of a, oh, look at them. Well done them. They're trying and, you know, poor them, the disabled people, but they're, they're doing their best. Like, mm-hmm. was actually, they are incredible athletes. And you watch some of the things like the, what is it, the, the wheelchair basketball. It's just brutal. Mm-hmm. It's just like charging into each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. And Sophie Pascoe, it. like I've yeah. always found yeah, her so, so inspirational. Mm-hmm. She's a New Zealand swimmer. Um, okay. Now that's um, inc- achieved incredible things on the world stage at the Paralympics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, she's no. She's been fantastic to yeah. to kind of normalise all of that. Like yeah. she's seen number one as an incredible athlete, mm. uh, as someone with a disability who's trying hard. Yeah. So, but if you um, actually look at um, their times as well, Sophie Pascoe, I used to be a swimmer. She swims way faster than I could ever swim. Mm, you know. Yeah, so exactly. like, if you actually watch them, you're like, you're actually achieving just as well yeah. as like if not better like yeah. and better in a lot of instances too yeah you know like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. insane to me yeah yeah no it's yeah. incredible and look, with an olympic year coming up as well hopefully there'll be yeah, yeah more and more coverage of it because yeah. it's great and and i'll speak to them as um, i'm a high school teacher so i will kind of drop that in as little segues into lessons or other yeah. activities and just showing just some of the incredible 
like athletes, when we're showing some of the swimmers, like ones without any arms at all, and mm. they're just going for it. And going at the finish it, yeah. line, it's um, it's just head down and like smashing the head straight into the wall because yeah. first one touched it wins. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what so cool. are some ways that like to support Paralympics and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. what are some ways to be able to do that? Um, I think just just having the interest in it and those and those sports really and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um yeah so having yeah watching those ones and and being able to follow what's going on and um equally if there are other local events nearby be able to support those ones too um yeah. i know there's another person who runs a bit who's who's trying to set up something in that in that space at the moment um down central north island so um trying to connect with that yeah. trying to do a bit more of myself are yeah. there local runs um like in Northland or where are those local races happening? Uh, there's, he's, uh, I know someone on Facebook, he's just setting one up down in, um, I think Central North Island somewhere. Um, he's okay. just trying to set oh. something up and there is quite a few, there's charities and things that set up things for young amputees. Um, mm-hmm. Like I remember doing one when I was about 13 and it was, it was incredible to kind of go on, a, on an event where it's just lots of young amputees my age as well and you get to meet others and one of them there was, she was only 16 but she'd won a Paralympic gold as well so be able to meet kind of sports people as well that yeah. was that was huge really because you could kind of see that what what the opportunities were and how what their experiences were so yeah so those charities are really useful yeah that's awesome thank mm. you okay. um is there anything that you would share with others who do not have experience with amputees that maybe is unexpected or people may not consider specifically since this is a running podcast related to running mm-hmm um like you have already shared i think quite a bit about uh even like again i wouldn't have known how often to change the sleeve or like i didn't know that you only had one running running blade i didn't know there was only one in my head i was like he probably has like a whole bin of them Mm. like a whole yeah yeah so if you have anything like that yeah, well, well, people deal with them. I think it's just kind of having their interest a bit, like for anyone in in any any walk of life. Um, you know, don't don't be afraid to ask the questions about it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's think that's the the best one, really. I mean, yeah, I still get it now. You've got you know, just people. I'm just used to it because it's it's what I've known for such a long time. But people just staring, and looking, but yeah. asking a question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I say I do sometimes have the social social awkwardness, and I'm quite British, so don't like being awkward. But if I walk past <laughs> someone who's an amputee in the street, I'm like, do I do I say hi? If yeah, we, we haven't got an official handshake, but should we have one? Uh, should we talk? Yeah. Like, like a head nod. Yeah, yeah. it's a head nod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. yeah, chest bump. Um, cool. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been really insightful to hear all about your story. And I think when people see the one-legged English guy out <laughs> running, that yep. maybe you'll be getting a lot more people to talk to you. Yep. And yeah, please you're, speak to me. Yep. Yeah, Definitely very approachable. So, so yeah. I really appreciate you for taking your time today. No, no, no. Thanks for inviting me along. Answering all of our questions. <laughs> we have a lot of questions. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to close Yeah, up? really yep. inspirational story, James. Thanks, I think a lot of people are going to be really keen to hear it and mm-hmm. inspired by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, just to close out, as always, a big thank you to our show sponsor, Trek Trail and Fish. Buy all your running shoes and gear there, please. <laughs> and seriously check out the Trek Trail and Fish 
50k ultra marathon that is happening in May in Pai here. It's going to be freaking amazing. If you're new to the Run Adjacent podcast, please make sure you follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or whatever platform you're listening to your pods on. You can find Run Adjacent on Instagram and Facebook at Run Adjacent. But until next time, happy Happy running. running!